on tonight's episode we discuss groups a to d from the world cup we take a look at where the premier league is at at the break period and maybe we talk about an interview this is the toki taka podcast हेलो हेलो वेलकम टू एपिसोड नंबर 16 आरके एंड अश्विन आर रेडी विथ ऑल गन्स ब्लेजिंग नो पंस इंटेंडेड एंड राधा जी इज आल्सो हियर सो बॉयज बिफोर वी गेट इनटू द थिक ऑफ इट बिफोर वी गेट इनटू द पॉइंट दैट एवरीवन वांट्स अस टू टॉक अबाउट इंक्लूडिंग ऑल आवर न्यू फॉलोअर्स हु हैव जॉइंड अस फ्रॉम अमेरिका एंड सेंट्रल अमेरिका व्हाट्स योर टॉकी पॉइंट ऑफ द वीक Ashwin I'll start with you it has to be uh, Garnacho's la you know injury time winner right like nothing else happened uh, for a united fans so nothing else eventful happened for a united fan i must say yeah, so quite weak pretty quite weak before we get to the other united fan uh, radha ji what's yours yeah i mean i had picked out uh, one of the leads the leads spurs mental craziness uh, prior to what i saw today but for me today everything's changed i saw the nike ad um, i felt like it was uh, i was back in the the early 2000s or mid 2000s watching eric cantona say joga bonito and the brazil team playing uh, playing with the ball in the locker room I got reminded of all those epic uh, Nike ads. Uh, th- this one with Ronaldinho, heavily graphic Ronaldinho and Ronaldo, I must say, uh, and Mbappe uh, playing some freestyle football. Uh, absolutely loved it. I'm so glad they came up with one of these again. Just getting us into the groove, getting us ready for the World Cup. And RK, finally, what's it going to be for you? Yeah, the talking moment of the week, uh, you know, need not always be a pleasant one. My talking moment of the week was definitely the Ronaldo. interview to be i think that took us a grand total of 100 seconds to get there <laughs> okay let's not beat around the bush anymore i know this is what we all came here to discuss so what's our take on this look i am going to start with two words ronaldo out like monday morning the news broke in like i didn't know whether it's a happy uh, so like something to be happy about or you know uh, something to be angry about because it was not something Uh, as a team member we would mind ronaldo you know not being there but like the whole noise uh, like what really angered uh, most united fans and what angered me was again you know becoming the center of attention after a last minute goal and a pretty good result going into the world cup break and you know all the words and justifications that ronaldo used like uh, being betrayed by manchester united being betrayed not respecting ten hag you know using all kinds of excuses basically talking to peer and of all people talking to peers morgan and the uh, i mean i really don't know right now you know where to get started from but the only uh, like thing that i have to say is that you know this has to be the end of the road no one can be allowed to become you know bigger than the manager it he has to basically united have to freeze him out i don't know if we should rescind his contract or you know whatever it is but Uh, i think we should make him pay for it uh, in the sense that he needs to find a transfer uh, we need to you know keep him in the reserves or something as uh, as long as he's able to find someone yeah i'll i'll also start with two two words and i would say absolute <laughs> like that's 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 exactly what i feel about ronaldo i know rk is laughing because i have defended him <laughs> to the greatest extent possible like i like I mean see this is not the first first interview of its kind that has been done by a former united player right so Roy Keane did it David Beckham did it Yapstam did it did it as well but and and they have been disrespectful to the manager as well but I I, I think the extent to which Cristiano Ronaldo went to to protect his image it, it, it's it's frustrating and it's agonizing uh, to blame not just eric ten hag uh, even though i think eric ten hag at least publicly has always supported him um, he also made him captain of the united team in the last game that he, that he played so i don't think there was any form of disrespect he mentioned about um, united disrespecting him or not empathizing with him uh, when his daughter was sick uh, i mean we are an absolute rubbish club 
uh, when it comes to you know the general affairs of the club but the one thing we are not is that we are we are not an insensitive club that would never happen at manchester united there are so many there's so many people who are connected to the families of the players and and the fans in general so we I, I would be very surprised if United did very, anything insensitive. And from what I remember, he didn't join us for the preseason. So he he was he was with his family at that time. He obviously wanted to go, uh, you know, go out of the club because we did not qualify for the Champions League. And the one thing that he wants is that Champions League goal scoring record, which obviously you know Messi is still playing in. The fact that he did not get, he, he won't be able to play in the Champions League is obviously something that is impacting or affecting him personally. What really pissed me off is when he decided to have a go at a legend of a player in Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney f***ing sacrificed himself, his career, to make sure that Cristiano Ronaldo scores the number of goals that he scored. That 2007-8 season when he scored 42 goals... He had to do a lot of doggy work to ensure that Cristiano Ronaldo does not do that doggy work, right? And I think Wayne Rooney made some comments about Cristiano, but I think they were all very legible and they came from, you know, I mean, I think they came from the right, I think it was the right sentiment uh, that uh, it came from. So to have a go at Wayne Rooney and to say that, you know, Maybe he's jealous because he finished his career much before me and like uh, maybe he does not look as good as me and that's why he's saying that. Like, come on, are you like that's cheap shots that I would expect maybe a 19-year-old kid to do and not not someone who's been known to be so professional. So for me, like, I mean it and and finally, like, of course, like using Piers Morgan as as a vehicle to, you know, to <laughs> To call out the things that you want to call out. I mean, how low can you stoop? Like, it's it's, it's the absolute f***ing abyss. Like, like how, I mean, I, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, I'm so disappointed. I mean, when the dust settles on this, I would still remember Cristiano Ronaldo as the player who probably gave me the best footballing moments of my life as a fan. But what he has done is, is just, just, it is just really disappointing and it's really frustrating. And I agree with RK that he has to go out of the club. United boys agreeing after a fiery episode last time. But uh, I have to just, so first point I have to question, what the hell is a top TV? Uh, I don't understand what, it, it, it's not like it was like Sky or BT. It was some random channel which I had to Google. Apparently they have 2 million followers or sorry, viewers. Ronaldo has 460 million Instagram followers. He could have done this on an an Insta live session and it would have probably reached more people than talk TV. Uh, That's just a joke. I think that shows how maybe his star is also fading a little bit. He's not big time uh, anymore. We we saw that people were not lining up to sign him when he was uh, struggling to leave in the summer. And this uh, interview, I think, is nothing short of embarrassing. Going to some of the quotes, uh, the one quote about his family i i if it's true then it sucks but i i hope it's not true the club has not changed or progressed since sir alex ferguson left wow no shit you had you this is the kind of research you do before you sign for a club and you know put your name on that 500 per week kind of contract uh, were you confused by all those amazing 6th and 7th place finishes that you'd seen or you thought that it was something else uh, oh, uh, not only the coach, but two or three other guys uh, were also trying to get me out. You came out and said you wanted to leave. <laughs> the club was saying that they're waiting for you to join preseason. You came out and said it. I don't know why Rooney criticized me so badly. And he ends that by saying, I probably look better than him. Yeah, hitting Rooney where it really hurts. Rooney has built his career on being a good looker. Uh, and he doesn't respect Ten Hag. I think we saw that when you didn't come on when he told you to come on and then you left the pitch when everybody is celebrating a, a winning goal i think this is like i'm i said it on the group i'm done reading and hearing i was i'm in the same place right now as i was with pogba i'm really done reading and hearing about them i was one of the few people on the group or one of the people on the group who felt the romance of the signing even though rk dsk didn't um, but it's divorce time for me is a whiny whingy thing but the most the most difficult thing for me to accept is now Pierce Morgan came back into my Twitter timeline despite me having blocked, muted, done everything I possibly can and I blame Ronaldo solely for that. So, 
Ronaldo. Uh, you know, let's address some of the uh, like. I just wanted to address some of the arguments uh, that Ronaldo made, right? Because as Jamie Carragher uh, rightly said, there would be one percent of United fans, including Roy Keane, Rio Ferdinand. Who would be backing Ronaldo, right? So let's go into the arguments. One thing was, you know, Ten Hag disrespected him. Uh, he did not have a pre-season. All along in the pre-season, Ten Hag kept saying that, you know, he's not there because of personal issues. He never made a fuss out of it. He always kept saying the same line. Uh, when he came back from pre-season, right in the uh, like in the in the second game against Brentford, he played all the 90 minutes, right, without a pre-season. And after that, he he has started all the Europa League games. He has started four Premier League games and he came on in the 15th minute in another game, 15th or 20th minute in, in another game against Everton. So that's basically five starts in the Premier League, six in the Europa League, right? So he's not been short of minutes. Uh, whenever the media asked about Ronaldo, Ten Hag has uh, always said that he's a very significant, very important player. We need him this season, right? He never said anything else. Whatever happened in the background, whatever Ten Hag didn't want him there, obviously, but still always gave him massive respect. Uh, he made him captain against Aston Villa. Probably, uh, you know, uh, looking back, it might have been a very deliberate uh, step by Ten Hag as well to make him captain, uh, knowing that you know something of this sort might be on the way, uh, uh, or maybe you know uh, reading it from the body language. I don't know what the story behind that captaincy was, but uh, so to say that Ten Hag betrayed him, the only thing that you can conclude from that was. The Ten Hag uh, kind of disrespected him because he was dropping him from the team. You were not good enough. You have scored one goal and zero assists in the Premier League. You are a shadow of your old self. Even compared to normal average Premier League footballers, you have done badly. Let alone compared to the old Ronaldo or the legendary Ronaldo that we know. What are you expecting the manager to do to save? I mean, the manager is there for the club. He's not there for for you, right? The second thing, talking on the manager part, the way that he talked of Ryle Frangnick. I mean, we all know that the Ralph Rangnick signing wasn't a great, and it didn't go well, and there are a lot of, you know, learnings, and it's a symptom of how bad United are, right? To appoint Rangnick as a coach, but to talk about him in that breath just shows the difficulties which Rangnick would have had getting something out of that squad and getting out. Uh, you know, when a uh, like a person like Ronaldo was the leader, uh, who is able to talk about him, you know, that way. Uh, United, uh, sorry, Ronaldo supporters would be talking of. You know the daughter' illness and kind of how the club disrespected him in that situation, but uh, it doesn't look true at all uh, for me. So all in all, completely, you know, the only objective that I can think of is Ronaldo. I mean, and that's pretty obvious is that Ronaldo just wants to leave. He wants a clean break, and this is his strategy of doing it. Gary Neville su- summarized it really well, right? So he said that there are times when people. you know when 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 star players and their careers and they think that you know now is my time to either sit on the bench and admit that i'm no longer the player that i used to be or i find another club where i get played more play time or i leave on my own terms like you know how eric cantona left right ronaldo has probably not come to term with the, come to terms with the fact that he's he's no longer the top dog there yeah i mean uh, like generally we see this you know we don't see this with legends but uh, you know people at that level generally don't aren't able to understand because of the level of self belief uh, or maybe ego or you know that pursuit of excellence that they have they don't see that they are you know diminishing right they always try to believe that they have a second wind in them they have a further wind in them right but uh, you know these are all the defenses which ronaldo supporters would use to say you know that he still backs himself and he still wants to play and etc etc right but uh, this is a classic case of a man who is so lost in his own you know in his own story and he's been surrounded by his own coterie for so many years he's not able to hear any negative opinion of himself that basically it's a complete you know uh, like a vicious cycle of self pity that we are seeing in action and whatever you say whatever the champion spirit etc this cannot be a sign of a at all of a good human being right i and that's where i have you know lost my respect for ronaldo a lot you might be a champion but you need to have you know some kind of humility uh, within yourself i guess uh, i'm also reminded of um, if you remember what rafa honigstein had to say after he had done his gig with um, rangnick and he had said that there was all these 
player power behind the scene at united who were trying to undermine what uh, ralph wanted to do now this this probably puts this uh, bit in context now but uh, listener even if you've been snubbed don't be a ronaldo be a tony and make sure manchester city go down rather than yourself so moving on to the weekend's action i guess uh, tony's uh, double was a standard performance which uh, ensured that uh, city took the loss and arsenal fans went into the break really happy so that was something key that stood out uh, do we think that uh, this is going to have material impact on city's charge I, I still think City are, you know, favourites uh, and they will eventually, you know, be able to last the course uh, uh, like better than Arsenal. I don't think this defeat changes that. However, it's pretty obvious that in the first 14 games of the season, Arsenal have to take the cake as the best team. City have been always uh, been lagging behind a bit defensively in most of the games and they have depended a lot on, you know, the Highland KDB combination to kind of get them through in addition to their dominance in possession as well. Okay, so moving on from City, uh, Radha, Liverpool looking finally a bit comfortable now. Break for the World Cup probably coming at a bad time for Liverpool. Yeah, no. Uh, nobody's going to convince me that suddenly we want to continue playing in the league. I think the break is absolutely at the right time. Uh, good result and I think we, did, we made the most of uh, the last few games. I think... Uh, so, happy with how we finished off and to be four points off um, fourth place, um, well, potentially with the game in hand, four points off fourth place is not the worst. Five points off, I think, third place. So, uh, not the worst position to be in. A uh, really critical thing would be that uh, after a really, really long time for an international tournament, Liverpool have just seven players going representing their nations at the tournament. So, all their rivals have a, a lot more of their core which is going to be out of action and within the guys that are also leaving three of them would be the central defenders and uh, the goalkeeper who tactically they don't really need that much work as well so a lot of time for Klopp and uh, and Pep and everybody else to kind of spend time with the team during this uh, break and get them working in the right system in clubs which will probably welcome the break I guess hopefully would probably be Chelsea I mean um, the fact that uh, Reese James and Chilwell won't be going to the World Cup is a welcome relief but we're looking extremely dire at the moment and they didn't seem like I mean, we discussed it last time around. We didn't seem like there's going to be any hope against Newcastle and that's how it proved. Uh, Ab also said it on the group that failed Arsenal Academy graduates are scoring against us and that is the state we are in. Looming like the death star in the background is obviously Newcastle, right? We're all scared of them. Yeah, I was... Uh, in fact, their press, the energy of their press was terrifying. Uh, playing once a week and being able to do that, I thought... The way that they pressed in the first 45 minutes, they would kind of had to fade at some point. Uh, but I think that fading never came. In fact, at the start of the second half, it was even worse. Chelsea were unable to even, you know, get a, a foothold on the game, get out of their own half. Uh, it, it was an all-round, you know, I have not seen that kind of a pressing performance from... If I look at it as a standalone performance, I don't think even Arsenal... Uh, maybe one of cases they would have done it. Uh, maybe City one of cases they would have achieved that level of press. Uh, but other than that, I thought way way ahead in terms of energy. This is the this was the most energetic performance I have seen, uh, seen by any team in the Premier League this season. Yeah, and um, I guess uh, we can't get away from the fact that uh, Arsenal are still top of the league and they are five points ahead of City. Um, the only caveat being that Arsenal and City have not played yet. In fact, they have to play twice in the remainder of the season. So, which is why we're still probably putting City still ahead. And the fact that Haaland also has a break. Yeah, you know, 14 games, 37 points, like just dropped five points the whole season so far. And this game, they showed that, you know, they have the depth also in certain positions. Uh, we will keep talking about depth as we go ahead for Arsenal, but... I was pretty impressed by the assist that uh, Fabio Vieira gave, especially on the first goal. There are some players who have a very, you know, you can see that they have an innate realization of space uh, where they seem a bit unhurried and, you know, the game is happening at their pace rather than them, uh, uh, you know, going on the game space. And Fabio Vieira's assist where he stopped uh, an extra moment and he was able to, uh, you know, put it on a plate for a like a complete tap-in. 
I think that was a sign of a very good player. Yeah. Radha, I think your favorite game of the week, again, covered a particular team because Leeds are Chaos Incorporated right now. I mean, I told you so. This is the most must-watch team in the Premier League at the moment. They Last week when they won 4-3, I said, listen, they're going to concede 3, they're going to concede 4. I didn't mean that in a particular order, but they absolutely did just that. Um, I think Spurs, to their credit, came back well, but uh, I don't think it's it's an up, up, it's a 50-50 now. I think with Leeds, Leeds uh, these games, and I absolutely like it. It's it's blockbuster television. Uh, I think it also gives them the best chance of actually doing something uh, positive as well in this season because uh, I don't think they're capable of also playing uh, a more compact game. So. I'm excited to watch them. I think they might stay up because they should surprise a bunch of people with their energy and uh, and their exciting attacking talent. Um, they are, well, I say 15th, but they have just 15 points. Uh, there is just nothing separating anybody at the bottom anymore. Uh, the Nottingham Forest suddenly are on an 18th position, but they are just 5 points behind 12th place Aston Villa. So, there's so much like... Uh, that can happen between now and the end of the season. I am not going to count leads out yet, but I think they should be okay. I am still back to worrying about Everton a little bit. Southampton with their... I don't know much about Nathan Jones, but I am not very excited about that. Yeah, and even West Ham are in the mix now. And in fact, I think at their last game, they had some booze and, and booze, not liquor, which is not allowed in Qatar, obviously. Um so they had some booze at the end of the game uh, from their fans. So some negativity returning to West Ham. Yeah, uh, like generally you have this uh, thing about the 40 points uh, being a magic figure in 38 games, right? Uh, that's a, that's round about a point per game. When you look at the table, Southampton uh, and Nottingham are almost, you know, at a point per game. Everton and 17th are, you know, uh, like having 14 points from 15 games. Southampton are just a couple of points behind. So, as Radha said, it's a very, very close race. And definitely, I expect Wolves to start picking up points. You know, I, uh, uh, you know, with Lopetegui coming in, they will definitely have some kind of a bounce, which allows them to join the rest of the, you know, relegation pack. Yeah, one more uh, team. I, I mean, you've mentioned Lopetegui, but we've had uh, another Spanish manager come in. Obviously, we've talked about Unai Emery before, but uh, is the Villa revival or revilaval, as I like to call it, uh, continuing or was it an undeserved victory over Brighton? So, it depends on what we're talking about, right? I have no doubt whatsoever that they are going to stay up. If that's what we're talking about, then yes, the revival is like definitely going to happen under this new manager. They have a very good squad. Uh, despite having Tyron Mings, who I think is the most overrated player in the league. Uh, but they have more than enough to be comfortable in this league, even though their position doesn't suggest so at the moment. Um, but if you are talking about pushing into the top half, well, I guess that's also pretty, pretty close by because, like I said, the gap between 9th and 18th is so small, like anything can happen. And one more thing I wanted to call out, we've been pleasantly surprised by Bournemouth through the season. I mean, they've done better than we expected, particularly where we considered them to be at the start of the season. They might have completed the takeover by the time the next window starts. It might be, but they're not in great shape either. They're in 17th in the form table in the last five games uh, behind the likes of Everton and Southampton. Uh, They're only better than some teams that are really struggling like Wolves, West Ham and... uh, uh, well, Chelsea. So, Ch- Chelsea are actually in the bottom three of the form table at the moment. But yeah. uh, I am not uh, very enthused by Bournemouth at the at, at this point of time. Uh, they keep going through oscillating phases, I guess. Let's let's see if they can get one strong phase to take them to the end of the... Yeah, for me, uh, you know, Bournemouth, uh, Leeds, uh, to be honest, and Nottingham. These, uh, you know, three teams look the weakest uh, for me. Point on Spurs, we... We talked about Leeds uh, in that match, but Spurs, despite not being very convincing, uh, you know, they have one of the highest XG4 in the Premier League and they keep finding a way to fight back. So, that is definitely something that has kept them in the race so far. Uh, it looks a bit similar to how United played in the first half of, you know, 12-13. I'm not saying that Spurs are going to live, uh, you know, win the league by any stretch, but 
if they start improving defensively and they start implementing some of what Conte is doing, you know, despite playing badly, this has given them a very good base to probably turn it around after the World Cup break. Okay. Um, just to close then, uh, let's consider this, even though it's not halfway, let's consider this as the halfway period or the winter break, let's call it. And what are our thoughts now? Who is the top four? I mean, give me your top four in order and the bottom three. RK, I think you've already given me half of your answers. So why don't you go ahead and just finish it off? Okay, so it's going to be Man City and Arsenal, obviously, uh, in the top two. Uh, uh, I think I'll close out my top four with Tottenham and Liverpool. I had Chelsea as the top four all along, uh, but there might be signs of revival. Uh, and as Radha told previously, I think Liverpool have it in them to put a winning run, which I think United can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Man City, Arsenal in that order. I am actually, I'm not ruling out Liverpool finishing third. I think they have a good opportunity with a lot of important players staying back and not going to the World Cup. Luis Diaz, uh, Mo Salah and things like that. So, there is a there is a real momentum that we can gain over our competition. Uh, on fourth spot or third spot, depending on where Liverpool finish, uh, I, I think... Uh, I feel bad to do this, but I'm going to say Spurs over Newcastle at this moment uh, because I think uh, with their fitness um, and Conte's uh, getting people in shape, I think uh, it'll last in this really, really tiresome season that we're going to have. I think that will make the difference for Spurs in the back end of this uh, of the league. So I think that might be the game changer for them versus the likes of Newcastle and and United and maybe even Chelsea if if they pick their game up. So yeah, it's Spurs to finish fourth in the Spurs and Liverpool to finish in the top four for me. And the relegation teams? Yeah, so I'm still a little worried about Everton, mostly because of uh, Lampard. I think they they are in the market for a striker again, considering they just signed a really bad striker in my opinion. Uh, uh, but they seem to be in the market again for a striker. Uh, it seems like things are not really well planned in that club and Lampard is not the kind of guy who I think will get you over a tough a tough period repeatedly. So I'm worried for them. Nottingham Forest is so unpredictable, so I'm going to go for them as well. I'm actually going to go Wolves as well at this point of time. They have such a quality squad, but I don't see the goals unless they sign somebody important in January. I don't see where the goals are going to come from, uh, despite him being a more attacking coach. So yeah, those are my three. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Man City as well. I think uh, we have addressed this before as well. Haaland having a break uh, and the fact that City actually don't have many players going into the World Cup will be starting. And of course, they have a, such a good squad anyway. So I think that should see them through over Arsenal, um, especially when you know uh, in February we'll have the Europa Games uh, as well, which 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 would definitely I think would uh, hinder their progress. Uh, and third, I'm gonna go for. Uh, I'm gonna go for. Actually, I'm. I'm think. I'm, I'm gonna say Newcastle. I'm gonna take a punt here. Uh, reason for that is, I think they're probably gonna sign a few players in January as well, depending on how the World Cup goes. And let's not forget, Isaac will be back in December as well. Uh, end of December. So I, I, I'm. I'm actually gonna go for Newcastle, and then. Uh, and it will be between Liverpool and uh, and Spurs um, um, for the uh, for the fourth finish. And in terms of in terms of relegation, uh, I I would I would actually go for Forest. I think they are someone that I predicted will go down at the start of the season as well. I think Everton's luck will run out. Uh, they were very close to the uh, to to being relegated last season as well, and. I don't think they have particularly made good progress with Frank Lampard. They don't have a proper striker in place, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin is perennially injured. So it's it's not that he's going to like he's going to uh, score a lot of goals for them. Um, and I I I I want to say Leeds, but I kind of hope that they don't get relegated. I think they provide enough drama week in and week out. But I mean the way they're playing and. The kind of goals they can let let go in, especially like even the previous game that you saw, like Spurs had no right to win. But I think 
that will be their downfall and i would say that leeds will probably uh, be the last uh, you know uh, the th- the club that will go down as well and i guess it's a clean sweep uh, i think man city will overtake arsenal as well so city arsenal and liverpool because as the reasons that radha mentioned that will probably help them particularly it's folks like sala not going to the world cup so a refresh sala would be out for vengeance against the likes of Haaland and Kane to make sure that he has a say on the golden boot as well. And fourth, I think I'm leaning towards Newcastle as well. As RK has been mentioning, they only play once a week. So that's going to count in their favor as well. For relegation, I think uh, Wolves are done. I think even Lopetegui can't pick them up uh, to that extent, the the lack of goal scoring, as uh, I think Radha mentioned, that's that's pretty important. Southampton, I think the lack of experience that Nathan Jones has at this level, that might just do it for them. The youthful players that they got gave them some imp- impetus, but that sort of impetus only works against teams like Chelsea, I guess. And uh, the third team would be, I don't know, it's it's going to be either. Forest or Bournemouth, depending on how Bournemouth's uh, takeover goes. So I'll take a punt on Bournemouth. Maybe, maybe with a new takeover, um, uh, Ronaldo might sign for Bournemouth as, as well, and then we'll probably see him see him in the Championship and not the Champions. Yeah, I mean, just like some players wanted to be in the Champions League but have ended up in the Europa League and playing at Old Trafford, unlike what they had wanted to do. So, so that something similar might await Ronaldo. But we'll close here for part one, and in part two, we'll discuss the big cup, the World Cup. It's finally here. Let's get into it. And welcome back. And in this part, we are going to discuss uh, groups A to D of the World Cup. No more talking about leagues, positions in the league, who's top scorer in the league. Let's do a mini quiz. I mean, just going back to all this Ronaldo nonsense, he mentioned Rooney and that was the straw that broke the camel's back, as it says, in Ashwin's case, because he said, no, nothing doing, can't say anything about Rooney. Rooney also has the record, I guess, for being the youngest Englishman to score a Champions League hat-trick, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Or So, just a mini quiz for you guys. Can you name the nine Englishmen who have the Champions League hat-tricks? And you've already got one of them. Andy Cole? Correct. He has two hat-tricks for Man United. Harry Kane? Harry Kane, indeed. He has one. Lampard? I wish, but no. Rashford got a hat-trick against Leipzig. Correct. So, Rashford got a hat-trick against Leipzig. Correct. Oh, Michael Owen. Correct. Michael Owen has two. Uh, One for Liverpool and one for Man United. I don't know whether he played much in the trophy, but what? uh, Shearer? Yes, Shearer is one of them. Newcastle United for uh, for Newcastle United against Bayer Leverkusen. Paul Scholes? What about Sterling? Yes, Sterling is one of them. Man City 5, Atlanta 1 was when he got a hat-trick. So, just missing two guys now. Uh, one of them is surprising and one of them I actually didn't know about. Wadi by any chance? No. But the, the Arsenal guy is relevant and he's still playing. Englishman, Arsenal, still playing. Wow, okay. Don't mm-hmm. tell me, oh please, can't be like Danny Welbeck or something. It is Danny Welbeck. Ah, <laughs> I mean, I wanted to give you a hint that this guy's played for United and Arsenal both, but that would have probably just yeah. given it on a plate. But it's yeah, probably, which, which probably game not. was that? Why can't I remember that? So, so this is Arsenal four, Galatasaray one. That's why I can't. Or I, I, I might remember this. I was for Arsenal. Oh, any hints for the last guy? Would we know him? I am not sure. Then just let's let's get. Yeah, so it's 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 uh, Mike Newell. Um, he was at Blackburn from 91 to 96. So obviously, he represented them in the Champions League. Okay, just one more question before we get into it. Uh, just to get into the World Cup flavor. Which of the 32 nations has had the longest wait since its last appearance? So not talking about nations yeah. appearing for the first time, but who's 
appeared after the longest break wales no not iran wales. yep it is wales wales who've come back and after 58. 58 yep Ambaro oh, hey. oh. <laughs> like the speech from michael sheen yeah on that note let's start from group b why 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 do we need to start from group a let's start with group b uh, England is obviously a team we've discussed in great detail uh, last week as well. And uh, Wales are there. Iran are there. So coincidentally, we've had two of the answers mentioned. And we have the US of A as well. So any thoughts? What do we think? I, I have got tired of, you know, seeing Carlos Queiroz in every single World Cup. <laughs> last three <laughs> World Cups, he's been, I think, with Iran, with Iran only. He brings these, uh, and in the African Cup of Nations, he was with Egypt, right? Uh, he brings these boring, yeah. boring tactics. Uh, and uh, it, it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's effective, sometimes it's not. But most of the teams, like most of the time, it's unwatchable. For totally political reasons, I, would, I, would never, I wouldn't want Iran to progress through, like, what is happening in Iran. And I'm very conscious this is a football pod and football and politics should not be mixed. I really don't want them to be progressing any further. Um, but speaking of Group B, I think it's a straight shootout between England and Wales. And most likely it will be England who will be finishing top. Uh, uh, I think England will falter, falter in the latter stages. Uh, I hope so. They will falter in the latter stages of the tournament. But I think they, they are very much the strong favourites to finish top in this. Uh, US... Uh, I, I can't really think of many players uh, for the US team apart from Christian Pulisic and I think Aronson from Leeds is that is he is is he in the World Cup I think he is um, I, I, I don't think they have a really strong enough team uh, and I think uh, the coach uh, made uh, like uh, the selection of the coach was also kind of questioned they left behind a striker whose name is just escaping my mind right now but like um, they don't seem to be the strongest squad so I would say it's a straight shootout between England and Wales in Group B. Yeah like uh, um, RK said uh, Iran really I, I'm just I have a problem with all these boring teams Iran is definitely one of them uh, but like I mentioned last week I think we were having a discussion about the group of death and while this is nowhere near the group of death it does qualify to be the group of slow death, perhaps. England and Iran will definitely take care of that. Uh, USA, I think, are a weird team. I'd much rather the women play in this World Cup than the men. Uh, Wales is my team in this group. I'm really supporting them. Uh, not just because of Martin Sheen and def- maybe a small part because of that. But I think they are the only guys who excite me in any form, in, uh, in, in a stylistic point of view. They're exciting on the break while being actually exciting in the back as well because they can't really defend that well. Um, and and Bale, um, I think this may be one of he may be one of the players who's having his last World Cup as well, of the many legends. Uh, so I'm looking forward to him setting it on fire a little bit. Uh, he's averaged lesser minutes per goal and assist than Mbappe. I read that stat and that really shocked me. Uh, in the qualifying campaign. So, I think he's definitely a big game guy. So, he might pull something out of the bag and surprise people. The only thing I can positively say about uh, England is that I'm so glad Madison is fit and he's actually going to the World Cup. But yeah, England and Wales will go through. Speaking of Guinness, I'm, I'm, um, uh, it's something that I will not, not be having at this World Cup because uh, alcohol is not widely available. So, Let's add that into the equations of what is going to be wrong at this World Cup. Yeah, you do have your Budweiser's available, which were earlier expected to be at around $6 a pint, but are now going to be $12.5 a pint. No one drinks Budweiser. The Americans don't drink Budweiser. You might get your Guinness Zero though, Ashwin. You can can try and find your Guinness. Have fun. But uh, just, uh, uh, you know, just on the note that Radha was making, I think I, I am just hoping that for me also Wales and England are the two teams to qualify from this group. And I hope Wales qualify first so that that potentially can set up an England versus Netherlands uh, in the round of 16. Yeah, I think uh, England will end up qualifying despite being dull and sullen throughout it. But uh, I think it's probably closer between Wales and the US. 
because the US do have some interesting players and Pulisic is a different player for the US compared to what he is for Chelsea so they might just pull it off against Wales that game is key for me for the second spot and it might just come down to who who plays better on on that day and that team going through Iran I guess probably we've mentioned that there've been quite a lot of uh, political issues on players in the national squad as well I think Iran might just bring up the rear of the group and moving on let's then talk about group A where someone is desirous of an England versus Netherlands round of 16 game so Ashwin um, Netherlands do you see them as credible challengers for the for the cup no <laughs> to to finish top of the group yes uh, I, i i think they have an they have an interesting squad uh, it's it's full of people who have the potential right so you have memphis defy frankie de jong and also cody gakpo which is one of the one of the strikers that i really wanted united to go go for as well um and then uh, and then at the back you have a rock in virgil van dijk i know this season hasn't been particularly great for him but like he's still virgil van dijk so he like i definitely expect expect um uh, you know uh, netherlands to finish top of the group uh, unfortunately what that would mean is that we probably won't see an england versus netherlands round of 16 because i'm expecting both of them to finish top uh, so netherlands uh, their defense has it's a bit weird uh, when you look at the you know holland defense uh, so they have one of the i think best group of center backs in the tournament maybe uh, right uh, they have van dijk they have delight uh, you know uh, then, uh, then they have uh, timber they have de fry uh, and i think i'm missing ake maybe in that so five center backs uh, then if you look at the full backs uh then uh, uh, you know they have dumfries who's done well for them in the past uh and they have malasia uh, like among others right and blind of course uh, but their goalkeeper situation is pretty weird so uh, i don't know how to read their uh, you know uh, like the defense uh, but yeah otherwise they have a few you know interesting players in the squad otherwise in attack uh, they have dipai who's been a you know who has been consistent for them uh they have deong who they depend on so much in midfield and they have uh, a few other interesting players as well you know it's not a team that will go very far but i think it will be interesting to watch and let's not forget steven bergwijn up's favorite from spurs <laughs> yeah and bergwijn is actually more of a starter for uh, the dutch so it's usually bergwijn gakpo and depay and they can interchange positions as well but dumfries i think is potentially missing out i read that he had a knock I'm not sure if he's fit enough. Uh, maybe he's a late, late removal, but we'll see. Just one shout for Memphis Depay. I think he's become critical for everything that Netherlands do going forward these days. Um, he's not the Memphis Depay Depay who signed for United. He's not the flashy winger. He's actually the get on the end of things kind of guy. Uh, defensively, I'm not that convinced about these guys. Uh, I think their fullbacks are a little questionable. and uh, van dyke as well he needs now in his after his post injury he needs a specific kind of player who he likes to play with more than others so and of course the keepers are uh, unheard of uh, pretty much so uh, i'm i do like them though they are usually my third or fourth team in every international tournament or second team as well so i hope they do well um, on this in this group though i i i was easily expecting senegal to go through but mane potentially missing he's already confirmed missing a first couple of games but potentially missing more than that i don't think this group uh, i don't think this uh, team can manage without him and we've seen what happens when these international stars come back when they're too early and uh, play a game in the in the large stage and these uh, it just doesn't work ronaldo in the final for example uh, it just doesn't work out and it kind of hurts the team as well so i don't think sadio is going to be fit for this and he was he i think he had 11 goal contributions out of 16 goals that they scored right so it's going to be tough for them uh, ismaila sar and they have good players they have a good squad but it might be tough they might just pass off on the fact that the other two teams are qatar and ecuador ecuador can score goals but they concede a whole lot as well so i think senegal will still sneak through but it will be close yeah you, uh, you uh you know you always want to see one of these african teams uh, you know try and go far in the competition at least in the quarter finals i still remember one of my favorite memories of world cups is senegal 
in 2002 uh, when you know they had that golden goal Henry Kamara against Sweden and they went through and uh, you know they had people like El Hajji Diop so that's what African teams are capable of bringing but Senegal in the African Cup of Nations were too dependent on Mane as you guys were speaking and I don't think they had that much amount of flair in them which also makes them a, a you know probably a tough team to beat uh, but uh, I just wanted to mention something on Holland as well. One of the intriguing things about World Cups is, you know, uh, uh, like watching out for coaches. And I think there are three coaches who have, uh, you know, at least at least three coaches who have a very decent uh, or, you know, even verging on kind of legendary club record. Louis Van Hal is one of them. We will talk about, you know, Louis Enrique and uh, even Hansi Flick later on. But uh, like mixed feelings about Van Hal, I definitely... Uh, like would want to see him in a bit of trouble for some sadistic pleasure. Just one quick shout out before we move on to the next group. Uh, I'm I think one of the themes that I'm I think finding is uh, one of, like something I'm going to keep on track of this entire tournament is people's number twos uh, like uh, particularly the attacking backups and Woot Wegost is uh, as you guys all know one of my uh, favorite. Um, uh, like backups in the in the world so I, I was very excited when he signed for Burnley and he was one of the people that I was most excited by during the last Euros so uh, Netherlands do have Wout Wegos to come off the bench he's a 6 foot 6 um, Jan Kohler Peter Crouch-esque uh, sized guy but is actually great on the ball as well so I'm excited to watch him and I'll talk about a few other number twos uh, as we go on yeah, just a word on uh, Qatar, I think, to finish the group. Uh, uh, like, their coach is, uh, uh, has a history in the La Masia Academy. And, uh, you know, when I was reading about uh, the history of this Aspire Academy in Qatar and how they are linked to a lot of, you know, uh, you know people from La Masia, uh, it, it does seem to suggest something, you know, very underhand between, uh, you know, Barcelona and Qatar, given that Pep Guardiola also had, you know, history with Qatar and then, you know, you have people like Zavi coming in. Zavi so as well. I love the way you know Bruno and some other players talked about uh, you know this all these human rights issues in Qatar. I think we also have Indian workers uh, who, who we have read about that you know they passed away working under dire conditions there. So uh, Qatar is also you know in addition to Iran, definitely not one of the teams that I will be gunning for in this world. Hundred percent lose all four games, concede thirty goals. I'm all for that. I'm really pissed that this is where we are doing the World Cup and uh, yeah, all the human rights stuff is like and the pure corruption of all of this is just it just stinks. I hope people are on their knees. I hope people are uh, wearing uh, the rainbow armbands and I, I I hope all of that happens in this tournament and I, every opportunity that people get if they can show the finger to Qatar, I'd be delighted. Yeah, and I'd just like to mention... Um, the Guardians David Squires uh, series on the Qatar World Cup. I mean, it's, it's definitely a must uh, must read. So whenever you get the opportunity, listener, you should just go through and read those cartoons. Uh, I mean, we call them cartoons, but they're basically highlighting the plight of the workers in Qatar. So definitely give that a go. I mean, not to forget, Ecuador also exists in in this group. And before we move on to the next group, uh, they, they are more of a defensively dour team not very exciting they do have a couple of folks like Ener Valencia who's their all-time top scorer I think he's very close to being their all-time top scorer if he's not already there Um, they do have uh, a couple of folks from Brighton as well but yeah their entry into the World Cup has also been under a bit of a cloud because their case went to the CAS and CAS I think only recently approved them that yeah you can go ahead and play so not ideal preparation for the World Cup but uh, let's see where they end up and this should be in uh, like I think within Ecuador there seem to be some better expectations from the team this time around because they seem to play better against you know tougher opposition the way that they play yeah, and we'll see how these teams get a, get along because the first game is Qatar and Ecuador. So let's see how that goes. And moving on to Group C now, uh, we've got uh, one of the favourites for the title, Argentina, who've just beaten UAE 5-0, I can see. I mean, it's only UAE, but yeah, you can only beat what's in front of you, as the English fans kept saying the last World Cup. So Argentina, obviously, top, top uh, threat for this title, obviously. 
Yeah, and it's also Messi's last dance, right, along with Cristiano Ronaldo. So uh, I think more than anything, the Argentine players want to win this for Messi, if not, if 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 not for themselves. Um, I also I also was doing a bit of reading on how um Argentina have <clears throat> have been playing, uh, or using Lionel Messi. He he gets a lot of free roles similar to what he has at PSG as well. So he is the creator and he often is the scorer as well. He he does not do as much defensive work as he would have previously done, let's say, even at Barcelona, right? Uh, every time Messi gets the ball or loses the ball, you have some Paredes who tries to win it back, passes it, sprays it back again to Messi. Um, and they they're very solid as far as you know their squad depth is concerned as well so i would be very surprised if argentina don't reach the latter stages of of the world cup there's a good possibility that they might uh, finish second and fra- face france which is where it could possibly which is or face france at some stage i'm not sure if it's like the round of 16 or like the quarterfinals but they can face France and that is where probably you know you would expect them to go out of the World Cup but they are looking really strong uh, as far as the other contenders uh, go uh, it's between Poland and Mexico obviously uh, and like Robert Lewandowski I'm not sure if it's if it's first World Cup but like he's again one of those superstars that I'm gunning for no not uh, not his first because he did go to the last one as well but he underperformed quite significantly <laughs> Yeah, but like, I mean, probably one of the better strikers in the world out there. So, um, I'm expecting Poland to uh, qualify along with us. Yeah, another one uh, probably going to retire after this World Cup. So, uh, looking forward to seeing him break his World Cup duck. Uh, uh, Argentina, I think Messi is also uh, the swan song. And after all this Ronaldo shit, I'm going to be absolutely non-neutral about uh, who I want to... Uh, finish off on a better high than uh, than the other uh, i i do think i have to i have to say that mexico all the names in the squad are like names that i've seen for the last 10 15 20 years uh, guillermo ochoa or ochoa however you pronounce his name uh, guardado these are all guys i had in football manager 2005 and 2006 and they're playing the 22 uh, 22 World Cup so <laughs> I, I interesting that you mentioned these names because uh, these two guys are playing in their fifth World Cups and this has been highlighted quite a lot by the Mexico Football Federation so <laughs> yeah but but I think Mexico ha- are probably the only nation who have like two or more uh, people who have played five World Cups I think the other one is uh, Rafa Marquez the Barca defender the Barca guy yeah but uh, Mexico have quite a I mean, they've, they've always performed decently, right? They've always come in with very little fanfare. No one's heard much about the players that they have. The players have been mostly playing domestically and then they come in, they perform decently. Ochoa has, Okoa has been a good goalkeeper all throughout. He'll make these saves. They'll go out on the counter and they'll, they'll, they'll just get it done. And they'll probably reach the round of 16 and then lose easily, probably to France. But yeah. It should be a keen battle between Mexico and Poland. You know, uh, Robert Lewandowski has been a, a pretty, uh, like by his standards, been a massive failure in big tournaments. That, that that might have something to do with, you know, the way that Poland play as well. Uh, traditionally, if I remember them, they have tended to prefer Leva with Milik, which hasn't really worked for, at least for Leva. Uh, it might have worked for Poland in one of the tournaments. But uh, Leva has scored only five goals in, in 14 appearances across you know, Euro and World Cup. So, this is definitely his last chance to make amends on that record. One thing on Argentina as well, uh, you know, they have a... uh, Like, one of the ways they compensate for Messi's lack of effort is also the way that they try to press high up. Uh, And uh, with Otamendi starting regularly for them, uh, that, you know, might be a problem when they have that much space in behind. I still don't rate him very much, even though he's performing reasonably well uh, in the La Liga, I think. But that will definitely be a weakness for Argentina. How, you know, teams like France, who they could very realistically face in the second round, exploit the, you know, space in behind with Mbappe. and. Yeah, just one thing I wanted to call out. Uh, just just got reminded of the fact that uh, Jimenez is also going to the World Cup. So it would be interesting to see how he fares. Right, and finally, uh, we've got Saudi Arabia uh, in this group as well. I will not... 
try to faff around here i have absolutely no clue about uh, any of their players i don't know if any of you have any idea about this but i honestly expect them to bring up the rear end of this group again one of those teams that i really couldn't give a shit about and hope they do badly uh, i i have comments written against each of the teams in all of the groups and my comment against saudi arabia is ba yeah one of the thrashing boys probably of the world cup i still remember again memories from the 2002 uh, where close a did he score a hat trick against saudi arabia in an 8 nil or maybe even more goals than 3 no it was a hat trick i think the that was the first game when we saw closer on the world's big stage i think and then uh, moving on to group d where we have the reigning and defending universal world cup champions france who've been in this post for 4.5 years which is a fact that any frenchman i know has always kept reminding me for the last four and a half years so let's see if they can carry this on and we've got australia denmark and tunisia in this group as well yeah i think one of the favorites to uh, win the world cup but they have had a few setbacks they yeah they have al- already been sweating over the fitness of um, uh, of uh, of rafael varan and like umtiti's out as well so they're struggling defensively the midfield uh, they lost Paul Pogba and Kante. So a lot of the people who were in the previous World Cup or even in the Euros are 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 now out. So it'll be interesting to see where how they perform without them. I think they are good enough to get out of this group. Uh, like along with Denmark, I'm I'm assuming they'll be the uh, you know the favorites to get uh, you know to qualify from this group. I'm not too sure how far they will go with all these injuries they've got. Uh, they, they've got decent reinforcement with Chumani and uh, Kamavinga. But that's still not still not Kante and Pogba. So I think they'll struggle in the in the midfield. And that's where it'll be make or break for them. Yeah, one of my favourite teams in this tournament uh, after Brazil is definitely Denmark. I think I told that in the previous uh, pod as well. They were outstanding in the Euros and I would not bet on them, you know, finishing first in the group. They have already beat France this year twice. I think France, they have equal chance of winning the World Cup and going out in the group stage. I think that is why we love France so much. Uh, Mbappe, of course, is the is the the tipping point of whatever happens in that, in the, in that team. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that midfield, actually. I know it's not Pogba and Kante, but I think Pogba and Kante would have been... Uh, perhaps a little too um, leggy this time around. So I'm looking forward to seeing some fresh legs. Of course, it would have been nice to have them in the squad so that they can play around. But the guy, the guy that I'm looking forward to the most, and I mentioned this last week, going back to my number two, it's Olive, Oliver Giroud. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to him. I think he's coming off the bench, the deadliest guy uh, any team can hope to have a guy who's who's suited to sit on the bench. I always felt that at Arsenal as well. Uh, he's a high-impact substitute. He brings other people into the game beyond belief. Very excited to watch him play, especially with the attacking players that France have. Um, but yeah, also equally excited to see them burn and go out in the group stage. That should be fun too. It's not looking that straightforward for France as we had earlier assumed. I mean, when we saw the draw, probably then we say, yeah, France definitely going through as group winners. But now with the performances that Denmark has shown, uh, probably not as easy. But uh, talking of Denmark, uh, Christian Eriksen coming back into the squad, that's, that's the story, right? I mean... The last time we saw him was a completely different picture and all of us, I remember talking on the group, chatting, saying, wake up, please at least show us some sign that he's up, all those horrific scenes and now he's back. Yeah, I think that moment really changed everything for me. Every time anybody goes down now in the football field, I really panic. It happens like every week in the Premier League. I think last time, even this week, I think it was maybe Jesus or somebody else who was outlying on the floor and I'm like, oh my God, what the hell has happened? Please stand up, please move. It's really, I think uh, we're all dealing with a bit of trauma. So I'm hoping that there's some incredible moments that Ericsson can have in this World Cup. Uh, the shock of that previous Euros, I think nothing would would make me happier than to see him do some really incredible stuff for Denmark and uh, set up set some moments up for us uh, to talk about in, in on this podcast as well. 
uh, on on Denmark also they play a double pivot Hoiberg and Delaney but they are a lot less boring than England's boring double pivot so everything works for me for Denmark uh, it's not quite my second team like RK's but yeah I always like to see them do well yeah Ericsson is going to be you know one of the fairy tales I still uh, you know get uh, you know uh, like break into a bit of sweat so to say when he kind of starts fading in the second half for United uh, but other than Ericsson, Denmark seem to have a lot of players who kind of, you know, save their best or have saved their best for, uh, like, for the Euro 2021. They have people like, you know, Mikkel Damsgaard, who I can never forget the way that, uh, you know, he imprinted on the on the previous Euros. Uh, Simon Jair, of course, was one of the central figures in, you know, the revival of Ericsson and also one of the leader figures, uh, you know, for Denmark. And they have other exciting players. So, talking of the other two teams, uh, United boys, are you interested in looking at what Hannibal can do at the World Cup? He's in the Tunisia squad. Yeah, that that is the only player probably that I'll be looking out for from Tunisia. They have they have some players in European leagues, but nothing much to comment other than that. Yeah, they are again in my I don't give a shit uh, bucket. Qatar, Tunisia, Iran, Saudi, England also to a certain extent if they play the way that they usually do. Uh, all of them can they, these are the teams that make me dislike international football I, I need some more brazils and denmarks in my life yeah until you said england i was beginning to sense there was some sort of a pattern there theme coming on but like <laughs> uh, yeah i i would be i would i would definitely be uh, uh, looking at hannibal as well uh, he has impressed quite a bit in the in the you know under 21 levels he is prone to uh, you know um, you know a lot of trickery so he that's why he gets you know uh, tackled quite a bit so at the world stage i don't know how that will pan out he 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 can't he can't really expect to get away with all those showboating and trickery which he usually does at the at the level that he plays um, but yeah i'll be watching for uh, watching out uh, as a united fan yeah maybe he needs some bite out of someone's brain to make sure that the trickery stays within limit finally the last team is australia i mean when i talk when i think about australia i mean i am reminded of uh, times like tim cahill's winners in the world cup but uh, i don't know uh, not really in hearing anything interesting about them this this world cup yeah, same here. I tried reading up about them. Nothing really exciting to write home about. So, uh, expecting them not to do that well in this uh, World Cup. I think Ashwin might keep an eye out for Aaron Moy given his, uh, you know, penchant for tracking bald guys. <laughs> yeah, just one, uh, just one point which seems to be breaking uh, news right now is uh, Ivan Tony has been charged by the FA. Uh, for 232 alleged breaches of betting rules. Uh, I don't know whether this had any part to play in uh, in the squad announcement, but uh, immediately after a lot of bad press that the FA got or uh, that England got about not uh, taking him to the World Cup, this news breaks. So I wonder if it had something to do with it. Uh, he's the last time we heard something like this it was Trippier and he got a pretty long ban so I think we might be seeing something similar uh, Tony might not be playing football for a while yeah I think uh, the news that he was being investigated broke just a couple of days before the squad announcement and quite a lot of Tony's fans took to the social media network saying that oh this is just an attempt to not get him into the squad but if it's something serious then obviously Probably Southgate's wow. hands were also tied on this. This is this is pretty shocking. And uh, during the World Cup, uh, what we're trying to do is we're going to do two episodes per week, so so that you don't have to wait for a week to listen to analysis which might be already out of date by the time you hear hear it. And uh, keep an eye out on our Instagram account at Talkitaka. Because as Ashwin said, he's going to be in Qatar. He's going to be watching a few games. And uh, he'll bring you the sights and sounds of the World Cup. And before we end, just a word to all our new listeners and uh, viewers, whatever you call it, uh, who've joined us. And just a couple of weeks ago, we were 
very happily mentioning that we've been heard in 16 countries and four continents that number boys is now 52 countries so i mean really really happy i mean pleasantly surprised or pleasantly shocked if 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 that is an expression but thank you whoever has been listening to us uh, that's that's really feels nice and that uh, motivates us to keep going and uh, making sure that uh, we bring the latest and most relevant content to you throughout the world cup as well just a couple of corrections i have to issue on things that i have said on this podcast i think our second most popular country uh, well the third most popular country in terms of listens of this podcast is mexico so i take back everything i said about mexico mexico is going to do a great job at this world cup i'm sure the other thing is yeah ashwin is actually going to qatar so i take back everything i said about qatar it's going to be one of the finest tournaments we've ever seen i'm sure the Uh, people have put a very good um, infrastructure around it and uh, qatar is very welcoming to tourists and everything so yeah ye qatar <laughs> and on that politically correct note which probably more established podcasts have to do with uh, we bid you a farewell and uh, we'll see you again later this week where we talk about groups e to h and uh, we'll also do a full bracket and have our predictions on who's going to win the world cup who's going to be the biggest loser and probably who's going to finish top scorer let's see have a good night listener and bye guys see you again soon